We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. I had a, uh, a lesson for tonight, and I was just talking to Bishop earlier and through conversation with people in the last couple of weeks and, and even one this week. I just thought I would, the, the church, you know, God is, is bringing us to a, to a unified place, unity. And uni, unity doesn't mean that we're going to believe everything exactly the same altogether. We're going to have differences of opinions and differences, but, but the unity means that there is the, the basic foundation of Scripture that we all have to believe, that, there, that there's no variance in it because when there's, if there's a variance in the foundation, you know, some people, uh, you know, they want to debate what color of eyes Jesus had. I, I, I heard some guys do that, not here, before in a church I was in. You know, well, because he was this, 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 and that. But, you know, because he was God, they were, you know, anyway. That's fine and good. But there are basics, there are foundational things that we have to agree on, that we have to understand. And, uh, you know, don't just agree because you like a person. You, you ever agreed with somebody on something because you liked them and you found out later they were absolutely wrong? Because I have. They were absolutely wrong about what they were saying. But I liked the person. I thought, you know, I'm just going to agree with them. But, you know, that, that 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 brings wedges, and so <clears throat> what I wanted to just have an open conversation about tonight is Jesus said, in order for you to inherit the kingdom or to enter the kingdom, you must be born again. So what does that mean? To be, now I'm not asking you how to be born again yet, but what does it mean to be born again? told you what does that mean to be born again not not how but what does it mean I was just going to say it means to become a new creation in Christ you're okay. a different person you repent and reject all your Always and okay, mm -hmm. the way Christ is, you try to. So, to, to, that's good. So, to be born again means that first of all, you were born before, right? Otherwise, you can't be born again. So, if you were born before, Nicodemus asked the question. He said, "Well, how can I go into my mother's womb?" And so, he, his reference was to that part of being born. He didn't understand there's a second part of being, there's a part of being born again that is not part of the original because physically you have to be born, that's obvious, but then there's a spiritual birth that has to happen. So what does that mean to be born again? It means that you're a, you're a living soul that before you come to a relationship with God, your living soul is not really living. You're an ever eternal soul, but you're not really alive because the Bible teaches us that before Jesus came, understand this, and we'll, then I want to move on through this. Before Jesus came, none of the laws that were kept by the Jews made them alive. They, they were not alive by the law. It only showed them their sin, and it gave them the hope of the one that would come that actually would make them alive. There was no life in any human. Once Adam fell, there was no life in any human spiritually. 
Even the prophets, even those that were moved on, they didn't have the life of God in them. They were moved on by God. Jesus is the, is, is the life. He's on the way, the truth. Jesus said, I am the life. And so before Jesus, there was no spiritual life, only the hope of the promise of what God would do in a later time. So uh, without going through a long concourse of that, we, we can talk about that later. So we know that when Jesus came, he brought the life. So he brought the ability for, for the, the soul to become alive. And so to be born again means your soul then becomes alive, right? Is that any, any, any more depth, anything anybody want to? Okay, so, so we know that has to happen. So, wh- where, so now how are we born again? So let's move on from we know we have to be born again to how are we born again. What did Jesus say you had to do to be inherit the kingdom? You must be born again. Then he said, here's just what you've got to do. You've got to be baptized. Okay. Water and spirit. Water and spirit. Baptized. Any discussion? So basically you die out to, spirit, uh, to, you die out to flesh and you take on the creation of Christ, which is the spirit. And you, you become a new creation in Christ. That's how you're really born again. You, be, you become a new creation. So you were alive as a sinner that was in the world, but you were dead to, in the spirit. You, you, had, you had nothing, nothing to, to give you eternal life. Okay. So when you're born again, you, you, you've reached that realm that you can actually enter into a eternal life. Okay. The new birth is following the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In repentance, you die. In baptism, you're buried. And you rise spiritually through the Holy Ghost to walk in the newness of life. So, you're not born again until you've died, you've been buried, and you've been resurrected okay so by that then we understand that nobody in the book of matthew mark luke or john was born again nobody in matthew mark because none of them experienced they they could that some of them were baptized by john the baptist but but nobody was born again do we do we also understand that when jesus was alive they were still in the old testament the new testament began after his death and resurrection so we understand that nobody, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, could be born again. Therefore, the church did not start in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Because the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones, is the body of those that were, that had repented, that had been buried in baptism in his name, that's, and then rise in the Holy Ghost. So far, anybody have any input on that? There are some Bible scholars, on that believe that the New Testament church did not start, did not begin until after Paul's ministry, until mm-hmm. the Gentiles got here. Right, but you have to understand what the church is in order to understand when it began. You have to understand what the church is. So, are we in agreement that nobody could be born again in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Why is Pastor Don going through this? Because God's bringing us to a spirit of unity. If we bring people into this church, if he brings them in and we're teaching them, 
If we're teaching them 12 different things, there's going to be a massive confusion, and there's going to be a lot of lost people. And so we're only doing this so that we, un- if, if there's a misunderstanding or a lack of understanding, this doesn't mean you're stupid. This doesn't mean you're lost. This doesn't mean any of that. It means that God's bringing us to a greater understanding. So, so uh, if you were to go into Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you will find Jesus gave instructions, right? So in Matthew 28, 19, you find part of the instructions. Part of the instructions is, you know, repent. Is, there, is repentance in there in Matthew 28, 19? Matthew 28, 19, anybody? Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them how? Was, it, was he telling them how to be baptized? See, there's the confusion. He wasn't telling them how to be baptized. He was telling them who to be baptized. In the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Ghost. And there's a confusion that's going on in the Christian world because they think Jesus is giving a formula and Jesus is not giving a formula. If he did, nobody in the New Testament ever used it. Nobody. So what, he wasn't given a formula. He was given a name. What is the name of the Father? Jesus said, I've come in my Father's name. We obviously know Jesus is Yeshua. Jehovah is Savior. He will send the Spirit in my name. All, so... This is simple. Listen, to some of us, this is very simple. But we have to be on the same page to understand, you know. So, so if you go into Mark, Mark, that listen, we, repentance and remission of sins shall be preached in his name, beginning at, I mean, we can go through the Scriptures, but are we in agreement on that? that so, so let's back up. Do we, let's make this really simple. Do we believe that we have to repent? That's part of the process. Repent. What does to repent mean? That doesn't mean apologize. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of people that teach that repentance is telling God you're sorry. That's, that's an apology to God. That's not what repentance is. Repentance is a 180, you turn and go the other direction. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I heard, I heard that one time from a pulpit. <laughs> it was a mistake, like I make. You got to do a 360. So, okay, so we get on repentance. So let's just talk about baptism a little bit. Well, obviously, Bishop kind of introduced to us what baptism is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ask it on the mic so everybody can. Somebody else may want so, to. This might be, I might be ahead of what you're going to take us to, but if someone came up to you and said, how can I be born again, what would you say to them? I'd say you have to be born of water and of the Spirit. I, 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 that's what, and people have asked me before this question, and I've answered it just like Jesus answered it, because you, then you can take them through his process, not your own. So that's where denominations came from. So you would say you have to be born of, of water and of the Spirit? To be born again, yeah, to enter the kingdom. Well, what does that mean? I, I'm, Correct. I'm that's, that's what they always what ask. No, no, that's great. Okay. What does it mean to be born of water and of the Spirit? Okay, so here is what my denomination that I came from said. Being born of water is the flesh birth. Being born of spirit is the spirit birth. That's what we, but, but Jesus gave no inclination of water being any kind of, and, and so we even took it further. 
that being born of water is when a woman's water breaks. We, we, we took it to the depths of the medical. Okay, so, that, so then if a person is born of Caesarean, they can't be saved. That, not, now, if we're going to do it that way, that means so. So we know that can't be right. So being born of water, because l- you'll find later on, Jesus speaks of both baptism and in, in, in the same book in John, he speaks of the Holy Ghost. And so he he he's he prefaces or he prefaces everything with what's coming. In other words, he's teaching the whole time, right? Is that Jesus is teaching the whole time. And so being born of water, water baptism. Being born of spirit is spirit baptism. So I have to be baptized to be saved? I'm no, no. See, there's another. I know, I'm, that's what I'm Jesus said for you to enter the kingdom. The, the kingdom is not meat or drink, but righteousness, peace, and join the Holy Ghost. See, people, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump on the uh, Acts 2.38 here and just make some of us mad. But Jesus was telling Nicodemus how to get into the kingdom not how to be saved, because once you get in the kingdom, now you're in the process of salvation. And it's a lifetime process, Paul said. I have now run the good race and fought the good fight and done all this. Now, now, he said, is laid up for me. Not You can't run a race three-quarters of the way and have victory at all. If you stop, you lose. It's the same thing. So being, being baptized is part of the getting you into the kingdom. Once you get into the kingdom, then it's obedience to the Scripture. Is that Okay, so let me answer it the backwards way. If they haven't been baptized in the name of Jesus, they're not in the kingdom. Does that answer it more direct? If you're not being baptized in the name of Jesus, and I can show you in the Scripture, you're not in the kingdom because Jesus said you've got to be baptized to enter the kingdom or inherit the kingdom. Okay, so my Church of Christ friends, what what about the thief on the cross? He didn't come down off that cross and get baptized. That's because they were, number one, they were in the Old Testament, not New Testament. Okay. Jesus' has, blood hasn't been shed, and he hasn't been buried and resurrected and, and for the new birth to take place. Okay. So that was Old Testament where the Lord of glory in bodily form said, you will be with me in paradise. Okay. Yeah, That's it's true. a whole other dispensation, if you will. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they had, the di- new dispensation has not taken place yet. So water baptism. Well, so what does baptism mean? Okay, well, let's back up. What about the the American Indians in the 1200 or something, you know, that had no access to religion, and that they're after Jesus' death, so what about them? What, 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 you mean no Holy Ghost, no baptism? What, <coughs> here is my answer to that. <laughs> because God will deal with them according to the relationship they live for God through what? Nature? According to the relationship with nature. Now, did they ever enter the kingdom? Okay, so, so that's the question. Did they ever enter the kingdom? So then, it, so can I, can I kind of answer that question? Because based off of what you just said, the kingdom is not so much a thing, but the kingdom is righteousness, peace. So if they lived that lifestyle or that mindset, would they have entered the kingdom? Okay, so let's, 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 let's go back. Because the law of first things is always prevalent. So there were people in Noah's day. Noah didn't preach to everybody. There were thousands of people. He didn't preach to everybody. 
So the ones he didn't preach to, did they survive the flood? That answers your question. Is that hard? Is that difficult? You have to, here's the thing. <clears throat> I'm not going to judge them in, in, a, in accordance to what they did or didn't know. God will. Because if I judge them according to what they did and didn't know, then I'm going to be judged according to what I do and don't know. And that's not how I want to be judged. So that, that's a good question that everybody always asks because it sets a trap for you. It sets a trap. Not, you're not trying to trap me, but it sets a trap for you. But you have to understand, you know, there, there's a grace beyond measure that we don't understand. And there are things, you know, that's one of those things that is beyond our ability to understand. You know, how is God going to judge that? Everybody that has a Bible is going to be judged by, by the Word of God. <clears throat> Whether they went to a church that preached truth or whatever, they have an obligation for the Scripture. And You know, Abraham said, shall not the judge of all the earth be right? And, you know, you encounter people who say, you know, my grandfather or my grandmother were great people, and, you know, they never heard this message. They never knew this. What about them? You know, and my answer is always, you put them in the hand of God. Mm -hmm. we're, not, we're, not, we're not the judge. I have, I have to obey what I know. Mm-hmm. Paul makes the statement, doth not nature itself teach you? Right. So there's that part of it. Right. As well, let me, let me just, let's just not say American Indians. Let's just say that during the time that Paul was walking the earth, during the time that right after, you know, just a few years after the Holy Ghost fell, what about those people then? Forget the American Indian. There were people in the immediate area that never heard that. So is, are they in the same? That's why you put them in the hands of God. And th that's why, because if ignorance is salvation, we are doing the world wrong by evangelizing. <laughs> Just let them be ignorant and be saved. But that's not what Jesus said to do. He said, go ye into all the world. So the point is, and, and God will judge according to that. So, you know, the answer is you put them in God's hand and let him judge accordingly. God is a very just God. God's not a fair God, because if he was, we'd all go to hell. He's not fair. He's just, though. Because if he was fair, none of us should go to heaven at all. Because we've all sinned and come short. There so. were many over history, over the, the, during world history from the time to now, there were people similar to the American Indians, like the Mongols and all those people, the hordes of them, that didn't hear the gospel like we understand it. Mm -hmm. And and I mean the Hindus and the, the, the Buddhists and all of those people over there, they they worship they know not what. And the Indians had a form of worship. You know, and they believed that when they died they were going to the happy hunting ground and they would have take their horses and everything with them and the more people that they killed that was other enemies, they would have buried off in the mm -hmm. happy hunting ground. Yeah, there's that a whole my understanding the, the best thing to do in Scripture, if you want to have it, is just go to the, it's the law of first things. Just go back to the beginning when this, and you, so you understand this, you go back to Noah. Yeah. 
because that's the first place where God, after Adam fell, the first place that we see judgment on humanity is at, at Noah. And so we have to, is that a hard, do you, do you believe that there were children that drowned in the days of Noah? Sure. Because people will look at God and say, well, that's not fair. But if we're going to go on the basis of fair, then nobody that's ever existed should ever go to heaven. That's fair. But God doesn't play fair. God plays in just. He, he justifies, sanctifies, redeems. You know, again, that's, I explained this to somebody this week. The reason, that God, the reason that on the fourth day God gave us the sun, moon, and the stars was for times and season. He gave us time so we could be saved. Because anything that falls outside of time can't be saved. It's in eternity. It's, it's eternally lost. There's no possibility for it to ever be saved. Does that make sense? And so, you know, man was created a couple of days later. So God gave us that span so that in time we could be saved. So I'm get, kind of getting off on a... Well, that's a really good answer to people with, when they say God's not fair. Yeah. What you just said. If, yeah. if he was fair, you know... Yeah, we should. None of us should none make it. Should. Thank right. God, He's not fair. It just is. Right. Yeah. So, so ba- so baptism is important. It's not just a. Uh, I'm doing this so I can vote in the church. That's why we baptized and where I came from. You can have a vote in the church. That's why we did it. Yeah. Can yeah. You, you can take communion. Yeah. If you weren't baptized, you couldn't. You're not baptized into the church. You're baptized into Christ. Right. Yeah. And and that's a misnomer. When you're baptized, baptism has nothing to do with the church. It all has everything to do with Jesus Christ being baptized into him. And, and again, when you look in Romans, you see Paul addresses that to the church in Rome. So baptism, anybody have any? And we're, talking about, we're not talking about being saved. You understand saved is a future tense verb, right? Look, look in the Greek. It's a future. Something's going to happen down the road. You're not saved when you're born in the kingdom. And that's again is another mistake people make. So, what about the Holy Ghost? Back up a minute. Okay. Baptism. Paul explained this a little bit. He said that it's not for the washing of the body, but to answer a clean conscience. So, all of that stuff you got in the head before you're baptized, that bad conscience of stuff you did wrong, we understand it. That's supposed to clean that up, right? Yeah, Peter, Peter, what you're talking about, First Peter chapter 3, verse 19 and 20, if you read it, he makes the reference to Noah, wherein that is eight souls were saved by water. Then he says, the like figure, wherein to baptism doth also now save us. So it's very specific. So just as, you understand the ark didn't save Noah and his eight, right? The ark didn't save them. The water saved them. God wasn't trying. God was trying to get them away from sin, not away from water. Does that make sense or not? No, He wasn't trying to save them from the water. He's trying to save them from the sin nature of the world that was destroying the world, and He did it by flooding. But they rose above it. The ark was been preparing. They rose above it in the ark, but it was the water that actually saved Noah and his family from the sin that was going on in the world. That's what Peter was talking about. First Peter chapter three. 
So baptism, okay, how you're baptized. Baptized, immersion. Baptism, the word baptism is, Paul said you're buried. We understand baptism is to put underneath, but so we, I don't think there's an issue there. And so there's nowhere in Scripture that anybody was baptized any other way other than the name of the Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ, and the name of the Lord. Everybody good with that? Son, the Holy Ghost, because that came right from Jesus' mouth. Yeah. So that's what you should do. Yeah. That's that's how we were taught. Yeah. That that's Jesus said that. So if I'm going to believe anybody, I'm going to believe Jesus over Paul and Peter. See, that's what we said. But that 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 means that Paul and Peter were wrong. That means that Scripture is wrong. So that can't be the fact. But 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 in its original context, in in its original writing, did it say in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost? In its original writing, look that one up. Because they say but, that to me, I tell them, okay, when Jesus said that, how many people were baptized? Right. Zip. Zip. But the difference is if I tell Darren, go close that door, and Darren just says, Darren, close that door. He just repeated what I said. Yeah. He didn't obey what I said. Yeah. The disciples obeyed him mm-hmm. what he said by baptizing in the name of Jesus. They didn't repeat his words. They obeyed his command. What he said to do, exactly. And so it's why it's important. The name of Jesus isn't, and that's another whole, uh, maybe we'll just expand this into some lessons in the next coming weeks. And so the Holy Ghost, when, when did the, we obviously know by Scripture in Acts chapter 1, Jesus said, go and tarry. But if you go back, you can go back and look in the Gospels, he said the same thing. He said, you know, now, you go and tarry and wait for the promise. He said that in the Gospels as well. It's not just in Acts chapter 1. It's in the Gospels. But he told them to go and tarry until they be endued with power from on high. So we know that they went and tarried. They waited. Uh, they prayed. And the Holy Ghost fell. So when the Holy Ghost fell, how did they know? This is a topic that people get all bent out of shape, and it's very simple. How did they know the Holy Ghost fell? Joel's prophecy. Yeah, say it again. Joel's prophecy. Exactly. Peter explained to him what was happening. How did he explain it? This is that. Yeah, Bishop was going to preach that the day that his sister-in-law was here and baptizing. He was going to preach that. This is that. This is not something else. There's not something coming later. This is that that Joel said. What did Joel say? Well, he he verbatim repeated what Joel said. So how did they know? Because this is the the exposure of the prophecy of Joel. And so when the Holy Ghost fell, what happened? He spoke in tongues in another language. Okay. Anybody? Spoke in tongues in another language? They received power. They were powerless before. The, the only reason they were able to cast out devils and do things in Jesus' name when Jesus walked with them is that he handed that authority over to them and sent them out. Otherwise, if they'd have went on their own, it never happened. That's the only reason they were able to do that. So they received power. So on the, on, on the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit fell, there was a sound of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house. There's fire set on top of their head. Were they all walking around with little fires on top of their head? No, you you have to go go back to the law of first things, and you understand. 
like as of fire. It wasn't fire like as of fire. And they all spake. It lists the people that were there. It lists the, the countries they were from. This one, that one, this one. And they all said, look, these guys are Galileans. Now, here's, here's the best way I can tell you this, and you understand it the easiest way. These guys are all from Alvord. They have no idea what you're talking they can't, yeah, they can't speak anything. They can't hardly speak Alvordian, much less. And that's why he said, these guys are from Galilee. They, they don't know your language. They can't, but the reason they're doing that, this is the Spirit. This is God's evidence to you, not to them, but to you that God is moving. So a lot of times we pray for people and we want them to speak in tongues so that they realize they receive the Holy Ghost. That is for that evidence is for others to understand God's moving. They probably smelled like fish. Huh? <laughs> the Galileans probably smelled like fish. They probably did. Because most of them were fishermen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they, yeah, you, you understand what happened. Now, I had a person tell me one time, well, if a guy was, was, was from Promethea, then as they were praising the Lord, he just heard them in Promethean. They didn't speak in Promethean. They, he heard it in Promethean. I had someone tell me that before. I said, well, listen, it says they spoke. It's very plain. And how do we know that this was a continuum? Because when you look in the book of Acts, it continued to happen the same way. Matter of fact, when you go to Acts chapter 10, where Peter, God said, you know, you go Cornelius, the whole nine yards. So he has to come back after it all happened. He has to come back until the church what happened because they, they brought him before the board. What are you doing, dude? And he said, well, we went down there, and as I was telling them about Jesus, the Holy Ghost fell like it did on us in the beginning. Spoke with tongues. So anyway, so as, and I'm only doing this because I have had conversations with people in our congregation that still don't understand what we're talking about. They still don't, they don't get, they don't have a grip on it. And for unity, we've got to understand. It's got to start with us, and it's got to promote itself through. And, and so, you know, we, we believed in the group I came from that once you accepted the Lord, then the Spirit came into your life. Now, that sounds great. I, I have no, that sounds great. There's just no Bible for it. And so what we have to do is found, the foundation has to be on Scripture. If it's not on Scripture, then we... It's just a guess, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, you don't. If you don't have evidence, you, you don't. You don't know. Right. You can say, I do. But if you, without the evidence, you do not know. Corinthians tongue is a sign to the unbeliever. The tongue of the Holy Ghost is sign. a sign to the believer, believer that they received the Holy Ghost like mm-hmm. you did. Mm-hmm. So don't, when you're praying for somebody, you want them to, but the, the sign that comes is the sign for the believer. Does that make sense? Those are round. Now, is it the sign to the person that's experiencing it? Well, obviously, but it's a sign as well to us. But you're, you're talking about the gift of the Holy Ghost at Pentecost. In Corinthians, you're talking the gifts of the Spirit. So once you receive the Spirit, then there are gifts of that Spirit. And there's the confusion, again, that people have. You know, they divide that, and they don't understand that it's two different things altogether. 
they, they try to divide it at Pentecost when it's not. It was the Spirit at Pentecost. Now it's the gifts of. There's people, there's people that say, well, you know, here, here's, the, here's the evidence. Now I have joy. Now I have all the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit, and they do that. But listen, I know people that aren't Christians that are joyful, that, that are kind, that are all the... So that, that's not the evidence of the Holy Ghost. Those are things that Paul said... If, you know what? If you've received the Holy Ghost, this ought to be evident in your life. If it's not, you need to go back and maybe do a little praying because you need the Holy Ghost. These are things that show up in your life afterwards. And if you'll notice, they're in a progression. They're in a progression. Just like adding to faith and virtue. There's progressions in God. We don't automatically become super Christian. There's progressions as we grow. That's part of our experience in salvation. Going back just a little bit, and I know I should know this, but um, it felt like as a fire, going back to the law of persecution, where is, is that referring back to? When, when they offered sacrifice in the temple, something happened that God showed them, I received your sacrifice. Anybody want to guess what it is? <laughs> when the prophet said, pour water on it and do all this. What was the sign to everybody around that God fire? It's, it's the law of first things that goes all the way through. So far came down. No, there's just, you, you find that, yeah. God, God when, when God led, he led with a cloud of pillar of fire. What is a pillar? Yeah, this, so it's it's it goes all the way through scripture. Yeah. Well, we're done. I, I've been praying about this this week because I, I've just had conversation with people, and 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 it's. I mean, I think God's just made me aware that in order for us to be unified, there are some basics that we really need to understand between one another. To some of us, this is so basic, we, we're thinking right now, I shouldn't even come tonight. <laughs> but but it's, it's the foundation and the basics where you, where you have to stand on. So if this is new to you or if it's different to you, don't get mad about it. Don't get even about it. Look in the Scripture because the Scripture will bear itself out. So any question, any statements, any? So if someone came up to you and said um, that, that they're saved, they're, no, if they come up to me and they say, what do I have to do to be saved? Do I have to be baptized? What would you say? I would say, yes, you have to be baptized to get into the kingdom so that you can be saved because you can't be saved until you get into the kingdom. Okay. Well, when I... I don't ever remember a time that I didn't know Jesus or, or God. But when I was about 23 and I was dealing with raising these two boys, I knew I couldn't do it by myself. So I went down front, and that's what I call my born-again experience. Right. And I'd been sprinkled in the Presbyterian church. I'd mm-hmm. never been immersed. And then I was in a Baptist church, and I was teaching Sunday school. I had never been baptized. And uh, my boys come up to me, and they go, Mom, I want to be baptized. I said, well, okay. But I wasn't in a big hurry to get them baptized. And then then the Holy Spirit started dealing with me. And the Lord said, if you you don't be baptized, 
it was like a vision that I had. It, and I saw all these doors, and each door had a, a name on the door. And I knew that as I opened each door, I would go further with God. And boy, baptism was on a lot of the doors, you know. And I thought, okay, what are these people going to think about me? Here I'm teaching Sunday school, and I've never been baptized. And all of a sudden, one Sunday, I get up there and get baptized. But the Holy Spirit wouldn't let me go. And he said, you know, you have to be obedient. And when you're obedient and you walk through this door, I'll give you another door to walk through, and you'll Mm -hmm. grow. So anyway, I got baptized, and when I came up out of that water, I'm going, praise God. And the whole Baptist community goes, you know. Yeah. There's the door. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I grew up in. (laughs) But I mean, from that point on, then that's when I really began to grow in the Lord. Yeah. And uh, but then later, the people I stayed in that church for a long time, raised the boys there, and then we went into a Bible church. But anyway, um, those people finally would come over to me and they'd go, I wish I could praise the Lord like you do, because here I am, the only one raising my hands at Tate Springs Baptist Church, you know. And then they're, they start, they, they gravitate to me, you know. So mm-hmm. I thought there's something to this, but I, I learned how important baptism was. And I almost was a stumbling block to my own children, you know. Mm-hmm. One of the things we have to realize, most people think that God doesn't deal with you until you come to this point of this. But God deals with you way before you ever even consider. He, he's... It's the Holy Ghost, the Bible says, that draws us, that causes us to want to repent. You're not repenting or you don't want to repent because you feel guilty. You want to repent because the Holy Ghost draws you to repent. And then you feel the necessity and there's an act of obedience. But God, that's the mistake a lot of people make is that they feel like, and I I know Bishop's got something else. Just understand this. I've had people tell me, well, I know I'm a Christian because uh, I had a light bill due and I didn't have the money and God gave me the money. I, I, yeah, there's no Bible for that. You're laughing, but it, it's, it's fairly close to us. It's fairly close to us. Without saying anything, it's very close to us. So because those things don't prove you're a Christian. They prove that God's working in your life to bring you to the point and place of coming into the kingdom so that he can save you. But he will start way back here. It could be something as simple as just like Judy's talking about. I mean, God was with you a long time ago. He's still. He's still. And if you ever stop, you stop three-quarters through the race, you win no ribbons. You win no trophies. You don't make it to the end. So, keep, yeah, keep opening that door. If you've never been baptized, anybody here, if you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, why is that important? Because it's the name. Father is a title. I'm a father. I'm a son, which is another thing about oneness. I'm a father. I'm a son. I'm an employer. I'm all those things, but I'm one person, and my name is not Father. I can't sign my check, Father, and I can't sign anything. I have to sign it, Don Biddick. And so that's why baptism in Jesus' name is important because you take on, you now have the authority of the name. You don't have any authority of the name until you take that name on. So, In Hebrews 6, Paul lays the foundation of the church. He said, therefore, leaving, this is a New King James. I encourage you to read it in the King James Version. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of God, let us go on to perfection, 
not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, faith toward God, the doctrine of baptisms, water, spirit, and the laying on of hands of the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. That's the foundation that should uh, undergird every church. Right. Those foundation stones of repentance, water baptism, spirit baptism, resurrection from the dead, faith toward God. Without that foundation, you don't have a church. There's no kingdom. There's no kingdom. Well, I know we can talk and talk, and this is this is the wheelhouse for some of you. But but it's just it's some basics that we need to go back to, and and listen. One of the things Paul had problem with with the Hebrew church was that they had found this foundation, but when he came back to visit them, they were going back to the old law and they were doing sacrifices and they had fallen back. And he said, "Look, now I got to start all over. I gave you the meat. Now you're here drinking milk again. Let's let's start this whole thing all over. Here's what you got to do." And and that's not what we're doing here tonight, by the way. But just to understand, there is a foundation. There's a foundation. Last thing, if we just understood how privileged we were, in the Old Testament, you had to be from one tribe, mm-hmm. the tribe mm. of Levi. To enter his presence, you had to be the firstborn from the lineage of Levi, the firstborn to ever go into the presence of God. No Hebrew was even allowed mm. in, in, the, in the holy place or in the holy of holies or in the outer court. That was all for the Levitical order. You had to be that one tribe to even participate. You're in a second inter- son, you're out of luck. Yep, that's it. Inter- in any interaction with God. And to understand that now we can come boldly before the throne of grace in a time of need. Hallelujah. Mm. That the middle wall of partition has been broken down. We have access that only the firstborn of the tribe of Levi, like Aaron, a direct descendant, the firstborn of every lineage after Aaron, could go into that Holy of Holies and experience the presence of God. Mm. There's a, Yeah, the privilege, just the privilege alone. Just yeah. Forget about all that comes with it. You couldn't even go in and sweep the floor. Mm-mm. And can, can I say something, and I need to let y'all go. One of the misunderstandings in Christendom is the misunderstandings of the writings, the epistles, and understanding that Paul, when he wrote an epistle to the, to, to the Romans, it was to the church. And so if I was going to write you a letter tonight, and when I get home and write you a letter about living for God, I'm not going to tell you how to be saved if I want to write you that letter. You, are, you should already be there. And that's what Paul, they, he was writing to people that were already in the kingdom on their way to be saved. He was telling them how to maintain it and make your way through, how to live for God, live in glory, all those things. And that's where there's a problem in the Christian church today because people take what Paul wrote to the church and say, well, that's, that's what it takes for me to be saved when he was just telling them how to live for God. He tells them that in the first few verses. Correct. To all that be in Rome, called to be saved. Yeah. Yeah. Sometime I want to hear a teaching on once saved, always saved. Okay. <laughs> I'm a believer. And, and, yeah, we, we will. We'll, we'll, we'll broach that subject. I'm a believer once you're saved, you ought to always be. You ought to always be. 
But once saved, always saved. Here's the thing. Once saved, always saved is true because you're not saved until you're on the other side. So once you're on the other side, you're forever saved. So once saved, always saved is true. But once born into the kingdom, always in the kingdom is not. Paul was very specific about it. You say nobody on this side of the planet living and breathing is saved. No. None of us are saved. No. We're all in the process. We're all in the process. We're in the kingdom process. <laughs> Thank you all. If you have questions, write them down because, you, like me, you're going to forget them. Write them down. Let's talk about them again because we're going to have this conversation more. Yeah. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather, and you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.